And we're back. I'm Murphy. Uh, Tom, are you out there? Hello, friend. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Excited about uh, tonight's big show. Yeah, what are, are we going back to the Black Lodge? Is that <laughs> what the, yeah, you know? we're, we're going to dive into... Are we into, in the Black Lodge? <laughs> well, you know, there's always been this kind of, um, I wouldn't say confusion, but there's really kind of no definitive answer as to what the Black Lodge is. I mean, there's the Red Room, there's the Waiting Room, there's the Black Lodge. There is, I mean, it is the Black Lodge, but I mean, the the Red Room with the chevron pattern floor, but which part of that is the Black Lodge? And, uh, or is it even the Black Lodge to some people? And there, that's just one of the few questions I think, you know, what we're gonna kind of dive into. Um, but the whole real kind of mythology of the Black Lodge, how it relates to, you know, the first, two seasons fire walk with me and obviously the third season and then we'll kind of go into some other stuff as well uh yeah well, I remember we started the return we were considering that maybe that all we had ever seen of the black lodge uh in the original series was the waiting room to the black lodge and that we would see the actual lodge in the return do you think we actually ever saw it or what parts of the series was the lodge and what well, was it well for me it's kind of a starting point reading the original script for the final episode of the original series, episode 29. If you read that script in relation to what we actually saw, what Lynch directed, there are so, so many changes um, relative to the Black Lodge and when, you know, Cooper actually enters, follows Wyndham and and Annie inside. Some of the other scenes, you know, uh, you know, the the Big Ed, Nadine and Ben Horn and uh, Doc Hayward, no, and uh, the the bank, they kind of like uh, fall in line with what was written. Other than I kind of found it interesting, I, I had forgotten this, that um, the bank scene with Andrew and Pete, you know, the bomb and explodes, Audrey and everything. It was a big scene, Tom. <laughs> it was like eight minutes long, right? With Del Mibler yeah, walking back and forth. Yeah. I loved it. I loved that pace. Yeah. But um, it wasn't yeah. Pete in the script. It was Catherine. I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, that would have kind of made sense, actually. Yeah. So, but I mean, that was it. It was kind of odd that Lynch's, you know, one of his best friends, going all the way back to Eraserhead, he decided to put Pete in there and put his life in peril. Obviously, I mean, he couldn't have. Maybe he knew Pete was a hard liver in real life, and that maybe he didn't make it to him. He could kill him off. Just right. But anyway, okay. So reading that script, there really is only one scene where it has the red room, where it you know explicitly says the red room. Everything else is like kind of a different location. There's a scene at like a motel, like a shabby motel. There's a scene in like Pittsburgh with Caroline. There's a scene where Wyndham is being interrogated after her murder. There's a scene in the Great Northern where it's in black and white and you actually see the, the red room floor, but it's actually the Great Northern. So you have all these different scenes that are not taking place in the Red Room. And I think what happened is, is that in the second season, Frost kind of built the Black Lodge mythology, maybe in tandem with Harley Payton and, and, and Bob Engels, and Lynch maybe not so much, because obviously when Lynch read that script, he decided to pretty much throw everything out the door and do what he thought would you know take place in the Black Lodge. So we have these really two 
uh, you know, the creative forces of Twin Peaks, Frost and Lynch, who I don't think were really working in tandem, uh, at least in relation to the mythology of the Black Lodge, because there's all that uh, King Arthur uh, kind of mythology with uh, Glastonbury Grove and in the yeah, script. That doesn't really fit, does it? That doesn't no. really, I mean, that's all a Frostian thing that never really adds up to anything. Wasn't it adding up in the second season? You know, you had that uh, that mysterious guardian black uh, shadowed silhouette figure after Major Briggs disappeared. And then yeah. you had, obviously, the mention of Glastonbury Grove. And in, in that script, Truman, while he's watching outside, uh, you know, the Glastonbury Grove, he sees, like, a woman. A like, knight? Yeah, like <laughs> no, it's like a woman. It was like the lady. Is it the lady in the lake or something? But I mean, she was wearing like this kind of medieval garb, and I think she had a sword or oh, something. So he what? was building it up to something in the script, but Lynch threw it away. And I think what well, happened for good reason, right? I mean, that doesn't seem. You know, I'm kind of glad that kind of proceeded. I think Lynch made an executive decision at the last minute. I think it was the right decision to kind of dial it back and focus more on identities and doppelgangers and abstractions as opposed to mythology related to King Arthur. Yeah, maybe they, they got rid of the whole King Arthur stuff because uh, wasn't like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade came out like in 89 or something like that. And they had yeah. that, that ankle as well. <laughs> Been played out right. <laughs> The Black Lodge in that script was not primarily in the Red Room. We were seeing all these different locations, uh, even though he's technically in the Black Lodge. It's not just the Red Room and, and the floor pattern. And I think what happened is, is that when Frost and Lynch decided to work on season three together, they kind of had a meeting of the minds with that mythology. And I think they both added the things that they wanted to do. They kind of came together to build the mythology that we saw in season three because I think it works better when they're working together yeah i think that's a little clue they they were going to maybe have done that if they had had a season three after the original series that they could have expanded the black lodge and it would have been like all these different like time jumping and different realities and who knows whether those are actually realities or not or whether they're just figments you know like like lodge versions lodge lodge pockets of pocket universes that don't really exist but only in the lodge they could disappear at any moment wow 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 well, also, Cooper, actually, the, the time thing within that script of the original ending of the second season, Cooper sees himself as like a young boy. And he actually changes back and forth from a young boy to his uh, self. And he sees uh, other people who are not like doppelgangers or people that we're familiar with, like a motel clerk and whatnot. And the motel clerk changes into his father. And kind of the, the insinuation here is that Either Earl is manipulating events uh, for Cooper or the Black Lodge itself somehow is uh, channeling Cooper's subconscious and bringing it to light, which plays into this, the thing that why I keep on belaboring this is it really kind of plays into what we feel is happening in the third season with Cooper's journey through the Black Lodge. Because in, and it's fascinating that in that script, there's no mention of when the gateway, when you open it, it's not like curtains parting and you don't enter it that way. It's, I think it's like uh, just an open space is how Frost and, and Angles and Peyton wrote it. So Lynch even changed that aspect of it. So, um, it, you know, it was just more kind of like a portal, you know, which kind of makes sense of what we saw in season three with the, the, the Buckhorn por uh, portal and, uh, and the white, uh, the, the one near Jackrabbit's Palace. Yeah, so it ties into the Unified Lodge theory that all of the season three <laughs> stuff was just this figmented Black Lodge reality for him. 
Cooper's journey was almost exclusively in the Black Lodge. One of the more uh, fascinating things about the lodge itself is what it means in relation to both the convenience store and the White Lodge. And this was something that I found very interesting thinking about the scene in Firewalk With Me, the classic above the convenience store scene. And I just bought the Criterion Blu-ray and I watched it like a couple of times and it looks great. The missing pieces, I own it now. It's just fantastic. But if you watch that scene, it's very fascinating because of what we know now in season three with the Trinity test and seeing, you know, whether it's Judy, the experiment mother, whatever you want to call her, appear and see the Bob bubble and see the firemen seeing that and sending the Laura over about and then the woodsman and the convenience store. But what I kind of posit from like reading into this is because I've always felt that the Black Lodge and the White Lodge probably existed for you know, maybe since the beginning of time. And we've got those references in Frost's books where he talks about, like, the Nez Perce and, and uh... uh well, like, he, goes, he goes back further than that with, like, Jow Day, like, that, like Bob and Judy were, like, you know, devil and God. Like, they were, like, Sumerian or something, Mesopotamian. Right, origins. yeah. <laughs> right. But then if you see, you know, the experiment Judy and Bob come to our Earth in 1945, it kind of punctures a little uh, hole in that, uh, that theory there or that uh, storyline. But... If that scene in Firewalk With Me, that scene above the convenience store, if you think about it, if Bob is like recent to our realm, right? And there are other spirits, the ones that we see in the convenience store, the, the, the little man from another place, the Tremons, um, the electrician, the jumpy man, the woodsman. Say everyone but Bob and the woodsman have been on this earth forever. And here is this rogue element, Bob, that has appeared and is, you know, wrecking havoc. And there's this kind of meeting, as Jeffrey says, between these spirits. Uh, and at the table, you see the garment bozia, which represents the pain and suffering. And you see all the other spirits in the background. And what the little man from another place is really kind of doing, if you think about it, he's kind of laying out kind of the groundwork, the rules. He's talking about how they descended from pure air. And Bob is basically saying like, hey, you might have all these rules here yourself, but I had the fury of my own momentum. And the ring, which played such an important part in Firewalk With Me and ultimately in like season three, could be kind of like a truce of some sort. It's made from the Formica table. And if you know about anything about Formica, I think it's like an insulator to electricity. So if these spirits are traveling by electricity and portals are inhabiting souls that way or whatever, the ring being made of Formica would kind of prevent that. So... What I'm kind of positing is that... I didn't know the well, ring was made of Formica. Yeah, if you look at when he's going on the table, like green is its color to the Formica table, you can see a little section of that table that's been kind of cut out. What? Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't remember ever hearing that shit. Is that a new revelation? Did that fly over my head? Like I think it did. People? When I was Why would like, they mess up a perfectly good table? Is that table... <laughs> maybe that table is magical. It's got the spirit then, obviously. I think what what the little uh, the man from another place is doing is kind of making kind of a truce with Bob for the Garmin Bozia, basically, for all this pain and suffering. If you're going to have the fury of your own momentum and go do all these things here or whatever, we're going to have this little kind of truce. And if you kind of go rogue, this ring here is going to go ahead and maybe uh, prevent you, inhibit you from possessing someone or, or hoarding all the Garmin Bozia. And then if you notice at the end of that scene, 
he says the fire walk with me and in the missing pieces at that point you see bob and the little man from another the man from another place like leave the black lodge like they're going out into the world together like fire walk with me between two worlds and we know that the man from another place is a part of mike or or is mike he's certainly labeled mike in the script part of the one our man and we know from the one our man that bob and him were killing all those years ago and i think what happened is is that they did they killed for many years they got the tattoo fire walk with me which is kind of like a symbol of their their unity or their union together and then what happened was is that Bob went rogue and Mike saw the face of God, which could somehow be related to the fireman. What if the one-armed man, Mike, saw the fireman and that's what caused him to stop killing and cut off his arm and go on the side of good? I, too, have been touched by the devilish one. Tattoo on the left shoulder. Oh, but when I saw the face of God, I was changed. I took the entire arm off. This is really kind of the first meeting, maybe happening shortly after the Trinity test in 45. It's like a marriage ceremony. Because, yeah. so, the, so it's like the little man is like the priest going with this ring, either you read, like, but then where does the ring go? Does Bob, Bob doesn't get the ring, does he? Usually no. you say with this ring, either you wed, then you slip the ring on the bride or whatever, and the groom. Who gets the ring? No. Where does it go? That is the one thing, that that ring, that can actually prevent Bob from doing everything that he wants to do. As we saw that at the end of Fire Walk With Me, when Laura put the ring on, he wasn't able to possess her. And like right after that... for Bob. Bob Kryptonite. Yeah, exactly. And so Bob goes into... Uh, then how can uh, they always end up dead, people that have those rings? The people don't like seem to like you know live long with them, you know? They well, I think that... Too well. Or they take them off or they take a shower or something, you know, and forget. (laughs) (laughs) Those people are marked. Everyone who wears the ring is marked. Yeah, so it's like a useless, like a, yeah, it's like useless. Like they're already screwed. Once they get the ring, it's too late. It's too late. With Frost going one way with the script and Lynch directing in another way is that the mythology was kind of fluid. It wasn't kind of set in stone. Um, and then in, I, what I, I feel is in Fire Walk With Me, with Lynch really kind of focusing, being in love with this story, these characters, and the Red Room in itself, is actually creating his version of events, his own mythology. And that's what we're kind of talking about with this meeting above the convenience store because we never saw that in the original series. And then 25 years later, when they came together to write season three, they had a meeting of the minds and they came together. And I think what we're seeing in season three is a more concrete version of what the Black Lodge represents to both Lynch and Frost. Yeah, well, think about it this way. It's like in the first couple of seasons, they're just throwing things out there. You know what I mean? They don't, they're just throwing clues out that feel right for that moment, you know, that are, you know, representations of the lodge. They don't really know where they go. And, uh, you know, you got to kind of live the dream for a while till you figure out whether, like, is the, is the convenience store a part of the Black Lodge? Well, I bet David Lynch is like, I don't even know yet. We'll get there eventually if we get there. But if you don't, then it's just a mystery, you know. Well, no, I think that the convenience store, the woodsman, Bob and Judy – are a direct result of the Trinity test. I think that all those other spirits, little man, a man from another place, Tremons, electrician, you know, everyone we see in the convenience store other than Bob and the woodsman are the spirits that are tied to the Black Lodge 
uh, they've been around forever. Earth, and too. For, or, right? Exactly, and earthly somehow. Because what when we saw the convenience store in part eight, that was the first thing we saw after going into the mushroom cloud was the convenience store and the woodsman. If you notice in the storefront window, you saw the cans, presumably of creamed corn. And what I suppose happened at that point is that they summoned, um, because I I think that we called them Dugpas, sorcerers, um, that they summoned Judy and Bob to our realm because right after that convenience store is when we see uh, the experiment Judy vomit up all the eggs and, and Bob and then that's when we go into the fireman and then you know his plan or whatever so that's what I, th- I think they are relatively new to our realm and I think that's why we only see the woodsman associated with Bob we don't see the woodsman in the Black Lodge or with the one-armed man or you know we had never seen them in, in, you know before so they're not going to be with a man from another place so I think that the convenience store is not the Black Lodge uh, related, I think it was it's, it was kind of like uh, if you think about like you know maybe mafiosas you know getting together at like some kind of secret hideaway to you know, the, the the heads of the five families getting together that they would meet at a place like a convenience store kind of like a neutral ground. That's what a I safe th- house. There you go. Thank you. Safe <laughs> house. <laughs> That's what I think the convenience store. Now obviously it has more to it. Um, it's kind of like uh, like uh, a dream world in a sense. Like whenever you it's saw like a cosmic walk- jail. Yeah, don't you think that Jeffries is kind of imprisoned yeah. in the convenience store? Yeah, I think there's other ones in there too. Yeah, and when they're walking down the Tulpa hallway, Topa Dai. What? Yeah, Mr. C took her there, but we never yeah. saw her there. She went to the she Black. Might still Lodge. be there. Well, the real Diane yeah. might be there, right? Uh, do you be there? Yeah, there's a lot of people that could be there. But yeah. when they were walking, when uh, Mr. C was walking behind the woodsman down that corridor, and and even in part 17 when. Uh, Cooper was following the one-armed man down that hallway. Lynch superimposed the woods, you know, along that hallway. So you saw both the woods and the yeah, hallway. I love that shot. And, isn't that great? And then when the in part fifteen, when the convenience store disappeared, you just saw like the woods. It's like you describe it as like kind of like TARDIS, right? Don't you think it kind of it, it can appear? Yeah, it comes anywhere? in. Yeah, it disappears. So really, yeah, no one would see it but them. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's like a TARDIS, and really right. they're out in the woods. Like there is no convenience store really. Right. So now in Google Maps <laughs> with the, uh, I don't think with, okay. So Maybe getting to find it, find it out there. Let me know. <laughs> but getting back to um, like the origin of like the black and maybe the white lodge. If you think about like the line of when you can enter the black lodge, it was stated in the original series that you had to have Jupiter and Saturn like meet a line, like perfect time to kind of get in. And when you go inside, uh, the red drapes into the waiting room because I think that is the waiting room where Cooper is spending most of his time I think and seeing everyone is in the waiting room it's got the little Saturn globe there it's got the Cooper chair and the two other chairs it's got coffee the, it's got coffee and it's got Venus is it de, de Medici is that uh, de Medici yeah de, I Medici so. I can never pronounce that correctly but I think that is the technical like waiting room but if you think about that that the waiting room within the lodge at Black Lodge as Saturn, and if you think about maybe the White Lodge, if we saw the Fireman's Mansion, if you if you want to say that's the White Lodge, because I certainly think that that it is that if that's Jupiter, if you look at that floor pattern in the White Lodge, yeah, the Senior Dido walked across, she shuffled across, yeah. it looked like doesn't Jupiter. it kind of look like yeah. the, like Jupiter, like the yeah. you know, the clouds, the gases, and everything, and and I was reading up on that is that Jupiter 
is uh, like in Roman uh, mythology is the is the god of the sky. He's like the supreme god, and Saturn is known as, as several things, but one of them is as an agricultural god, agricultural god, which is often associated with seed corn, which is very interesting, obviously because that's related to cream corn, Garmin Bozia, but. It's also known as the god of time. Saturn is known as the god of time. And another interesting component is that Saturn, or Jupiter, is the son of Saturn. So I'm like really kind of uh, off on my, uh, my ancient uh, Roman mythology or whatever. So reading up on this is very interesting. But I think that maybe since we saw the giant in the original series in episode 29, um, along with you know, everyone else, pretty much, uh, the, the man from another place and, you know, doppels of, of, you know, Maddie, Laura, Carolyn, Annie, what have you, but that before they actually went into the Black Lodge, if that was the waiting room and not technically the Black Lodge, that you saw the giant there because the White Lodge and the Black Lodge are tied together somehow, just like kind of like good and evil. But when it became the Black Lodge, you never saw anyone other than Cooper and Doppelgangers. That, if you watch that episode, when the coffee, you know, the coffee, when the senior jewel cup gives coffee, coffee, mm-hmm. that great scene, right after the man from another place says, wow, Bob, wow, and then fire walk with me, and then we see that big burst of fire. And I think, it, and then I think we hear Laura screaming. That point, that's where I believe we go into, we enter the Black Lodge in Lynch's version of, of that episode. What happens after that? Seeing, it's, it's just, it's a doppelgangerville. He's just seeing doppelgangers left and doppelgangers right. And I think it's all leading to, I think that the doppelganger aspect, because we hadn't seen Bob at this point, but the little man, the man from another place did say, wow, Bob, wow. It's almost like he was performing a magic trick right there on, uh, you know, with Cooper's Coffee. And I, I think with now seeing season three, that what Bob was doing all along was he was setting the wheels in motion to ultimately inhabit Cooper. And once they actually entered the Black Lodge, that he somehow facilitated all of these doppelgangers, whether somehow manifesting themselves in Cooper's subconscious or actually like creating them himself or magically and what have you, that it was all done to slowly freak Cooper out where he was vulnerable when... Earl eventually showed up and Cooper offered his soul and that's when Bob stepped in took Wyndham's soul and then was able to possess Cooper I think it was part of like what Bob was was you know his master plan was to take control of Cooper because what I think is happening is is that Bob wants permanent out of the Black Lodge and I think we got that in season three like I mean that was explicitly said by Mr. C right I don't want to get pulled into the Black Lodge yeah, I think he may regret that now. I saw a little ennui in the Bob 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 C face in season three. He may want to come back. <laughs> no, I think Maybe that Bob. I think it's very deliberate. Like the whole reason he got exploded. He needs to come back because he's he's in tatters. He's in pieces. Yeah, the, you know, Freddie crushed him. So he's got to get yeah, it together. But, get his shit together. Go back to the lodge. Lick his wounds. Get stronger. Yeah, he's not. He's not done. He's not toast. Maybe in in that little version. If if that really didn't happen, or if it was kind of a Cooper construct. Bob is still out there, and I still believe that Bob is out there. Well, go back to that one thing you were saying, like that, like Jupiter and Saturn meet. When did who said that? Like in the original series, saying that that's how you can get into the lodge. That's that scene with uh, Briggs and and Earl in uh, the cabin, where uh, Briggs is all doped up on the halip- halip- haliperidol, and 
Wyndham is uh, interrogating him. And Briggs knows and says it's when Jupiter and Saturn meet, uh, they will receive you. And so he's asking all these questions. So that's, that, that was the line. It was from Major Briggs. Yeah, so then, like, maybe the White and the Black Lodge are, like, these orbs, just, like, planets that, like, they sort of, they have to revolve around, and they only, they only meet and can, can connect every once in a while, like when you see it in the sky. Well, that's what it is. They do. They only do connect, like, every, I don't know. I don't, know if, I don't think it's every 25 years. I think it might be, like, every 30 years or so, but that's, I think the next one's actually in 2020. It doesn't line up with the events of the original Uh-oh. series, but. The next election, that's not good. Well, I like the other idea. <laughs> the other idea is that you're saying that like Sat- uh, Jupiter is Saturn's child, right? So does that mean that the universe is inherently evil and that good came out of that? Possibly, yeah. Well, I'm not saying, yeah, but I'm talking about with in relation to the world of Twin Peaks. It would be interesting if that before Bob came to Earth and Judy, that the evil entities within the Black Lodge and the good entities within the White Lodge, Senorita Dido, the firemen, uh, had more kind of like a truce or an understanding. Like there was evil going on, but it wasn't on the scale of what is to come with Bob and Judy. And they were like, they kind of like tolerated each other because there is no good without evil and vice versa. So uh, because maybe they were born from the same, you know, seed. Uh, somehow, or they're interconnected. I'm not into all that mythology, so I can't really talk too much about it other than like, you know, on the surface. But it is very interesting, and that probably is like a frost touch. One and the same. I think that Cooper, when he is, he's in the lodge, I, I sense, or I get a sense that, that there has been no passage of time for him. Like, because that's when, like, when he actually sees himself in the mirror... Uh, in the you know his home as Douglas Jones in part four I think I think he's seeing him himself for the first time and seeing how he's aged and it's also that great scene with Battling Bud when he's looking at the the poster of a young Battling Bud and then looking down and seeing him, he's putting together that kind of that passage of time which is a a big theme in Twin Peaks or a part or a season three but I don't think I think like to Cooper when he went in in episode 29 of the original series and where we saw him in part three, I feel that perhaps strongly that he has no sense of time, but yet he obviously has aged because of the nature of time within the lodge is just so nebulous. Well, but it's not like a total dream state because he does remember them at least, even though he doesn't have a concept of time. If he's been going through 25 years of like all kinds of lodge pockets and pocket universes and strange uh, tripscapes. He at least remembers them all. Well, I think that since <laughs> that that Bob itself has not been a part of the lodge, and he has not been part of the mythology, at least what I'm saying for for eons, he's only been in the lodge for a little period of time. That since he has been out, that the pain and suffering, the evil, is not as prevalent in like season three. And um, I think what is happening is is that obviously the lodge spirits namely the evolution of the arm and the one-armed man want bob contained want him back but i used to think that that was just the case i I, i'm thinking that there might be even though we didn't see this a coordination with the firemen who obviously employed freddie sykes and um and major briggs polish accountant and maybe the polish accountant right that it was a master plan to not only just you know contain Bob, but to actually eliminate Bob altogether. Because Bob is never going to follow any kind of rules. Bob is going to completely go rogue 
for how can you, you know, kill the devil, Tom? Didn't you see the usual suspects? It's <laughs> He's not shaking. the devil. Not well, the but devil. think about it though. If you're fro- there's an argument to be made that he is. You know, when you listen to Frost talk about like how Bob and Judy came from Sumerian or whatever Mesopotamian origins, uh, you know, you could say you could argue that. Um, what we saw in, in part eight was um, just like in Ghostbusters, like Gozer, uh, the traveler was he, he'd been around for a long time, but they conjured him, you know, into this reality right now. And that's what I would I would posit is that perhaps Bob and Judy have always been around, um, but that they were just they've been vanquished. They've been gone for a while or whatever it was that that part eight they were. That was their ritual to, to conjure them back, but that they have been around forever and back at least to Mesopotamian times or whatever that Frost refers, references in his book. Oh, okay. Because I was, I mean, I, that's a good point, but we'll never know. But it's also possible that Bob and Judy have been inhabiting and destroying or influencing other worlds for like centuries. And it, it could be that this, this could very well be the first time that they actually visited Earth. I mean, it works either way. Um, but if, if you, I like the idea because I don't like the notion that the Black Lodge only existed you know, post-Trinity test, 1945. I like reading the secret history and reading about, like, you know, the Mesopotamia and uh, the Nez Perce. Like, it's always been there. This in Maybe the just woods. got a modern deco remodel in the 50s. <laughs> or the 40s. Right, you know what I'm saying? Right, so it looks right. like it was now, but before it looked like, you know, a Native American huts and or whatever, log cabins, and maybe it was like Egyptian tombs or whatever back in the old days. They, that was got, got a remodel. Right. <laughs> well, I think that the origin of the the Red Room, not necessarily the Black Lodge, is comes from Lynch and comes from Eraserhead because we we see that floor pattern in Henry Spencer's uh, apartment building. But we also have a, a gateway to other worlds in that movie. Uh, we have a man in a planet played by Jack Fisk, and we have the lady in the radiator. So um, I think that, and and also I just I didn't know this uh, because I remember watching like Top Secret. Remember Top Secret? Yeah, <laughs> that scene with uh, what's his name from uh, uh, who's that? Peter Cushing uh, and mm-hmm, the eye, yeah, <laughs> the eye. But he isn't it done in reverse? In complete speaking? reverse. Yeah, the entire scene's in reverse. And because that always kind of like stuck with me. It's like, man, you know, Lynch wasn't the first one to kind of pull this off. He had to the um, Abrams and uh, the Zucker brothers did it first. But I read this interview. It was like recently. It's been out. Obviously, I think I don't know when it was published. But Lynch said during the production of Eraserhead, his his sound man, his his buddy Alan Splett had this thing for talking in reverse and recording it. And Lynch loved the sound of it and taught, and Splett taught Lynch to say some words in reverse. And Lynch loved the effect so much that he was gonna incorporate it into Eraserhead. But for whatever reason, that, that scene wasn't shot. But it always kind of like remained in you know, his you know, you know, conscious or subconscious mind because he has that great story of uh, how he conceived the Red Room. It was during the, the editing of, of the pilot of Twin Peaks, and he was outside with Dwayne Dunham, probably you know taking a smoke. I don't know if he was smoking at that point. But he leaned up against this warm red car, and he said the whole image came to him. But he also said in this interview that it probably was something that married to that original idea that he had with the racer head. So Lynch had that, Im- but that image... You know, the visual, because obviously he's, he's an artist, but the mythology of it, I don't think he had any inkling of it. I think that kind of came from Frost because Lynch is more kind of a dream weaver. And I think, you know, it was stated explicitly that, you know, what we saw in the first season, it was that was a dream that, that Cooper had, obviously. It just evolved because I think their mythology was evolving. Yeah. Do you think the Black Lodge would look the same in season four if there were to be one? No. I mean, I, I mean, well, I mean, you're always going to have the 
you know, the red room and, and whatnot. But it, the, the, what we're trying to, yeah, that's, come on. That's <laughs> Lynch is, you know, he's not going to go away from that. But what really happens in that room? Well, here's the thing. It's not, okay, it's so. Just, it does seem like a rating room. Like, you're just some small talk. That's really all that's going on. Well, that's a part of it. It is a waiting room. But some what I'm saying is the Black Lodge, like reading that script and seeing what we saw in episode or the season three, the Black Lodge um, is uh, a part within the, that that setting, okay? But that's when Cooper went through the floor, right? And he started his journey. That was still the Black Lodge. What I'm stating um, from like reading that script and the things that like we've talked about is that um, what, or, and this is kind of a new thing that, that I came up with, is that why all of a sudden did that force floor split open and why did we have the evolution of the arms doppelganger be freaking out? Like, I, I couldn't figure that out. It's like, you know, why did that happen? But when you watch the events of the original series, what I was talking about earlier with all the doppelgangers being, being influenced by Bob, and that was the part of the Black Lodge, the extension of the waiting room, is that maybe it was deliberate on the evolution of the arm and maybe Mike... Uh, the one-armed man when they realized that Bob, Mr. C wasn't coming back and the only way to kind of get him to go back was to send Cooper on this journey and the only way to send Cooper on this journey because he could not leave unless Mr. C slash Bob came back to the lodge was to somehow manifest the doppelganger and create the Black Lodge because all those scenes I don't think are in the Black Lodge the Black Lodge itself is related to, I think, like doppelgangers and whatnot. And that splitting of the floor and going through this kind of Dante, this hell, this kind of like Dante's Inferno or whatever, was the beginning of this uh, 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 journey for Cooper, not leaving the Lodge, but having it be kind of a combination of a construct of the evolution of the arm and the one-armed man and Cooper's subconscious, which is tied to Mr. C. Because I think it's Judy, though. I think it's not the construct of the one-armed man, really, or, or the uh, evolution of the arm. Do they have the power to do that? Do they have the power? Did they have universal God, uh, like world-creating powers? Within, well, but within, within the their setting, I think they do. Yeah. See, I always think we that have, the Black Lodge is like Judy run, like this omnipotent, like, force. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's not people actually, like, I don't think, like, the magician, or I guess, I mean, we've seen him conjure things. And it's almost like he helped conjure uh, the past and allowed him and Philip Jeffries for Coop to go back in 17. But it feels like that, like it's just kind of happened. Like these things are all being run by Judy. If you want to put a faith, a name to it, but everything else, like it's almost like the one, our man and the evolution, of the arm are like demons, but they're, they're not, they're almost like chess pieces. They're not running the show. At least that's well, how I think. Well, I just think it's, it's easy to go ahead and label anything that's kind of like the evil or mysterious on Judy because she is known as like an extreme negative force. I think that there is no um, no meat on the bone with Judy in the Black Lodge. With the convenience store, yes, I think that her fingerprints are all over the convenience store because it's tied into uh, the Woodsman um, and the Trinity Test when we saw that. But I don't think that Judy has this influence over the Black Lodge. I think that uh, Bob and it's even Bob doesn't have like a huge presence in the Black Lodge compared to how long maybe the Black Lodge existed. That's what I'm trying to do. And this is all like kind of new and maybe we'll be diving into this like more uh, over time. But 
this whole thing with Bob and Judy, who obviously are tied together, are not directly tied to the Black Lodge as much as I think the Man from Another Place, the Evolution of the Arm, and maybe the other spirits as well. I think that that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a war between the factions of good and evil, but there's this subset of evil, um, that would, namely Bob and Judy, that the other evil, the you know, residents or denizens of the Black Lodge, are pissed at because they're going rogue or they're so strong. And it's like all fighting for their like Garmin Bozia, their pain and suffering, or you know their reputation, who the hell knows. But I, I'm not trying to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, you know, kind of slander your 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 idea or whatever. But I just, it just the Judy thing is, is it's well, we've too had an entire podcast about that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> about yeah. Judy pulling all the strings. I think just Judy and Bob are like kings and the queens, on, and everyone else is just like rooks and bishops and a bunch of pawns. Well, I, I agree with that too. But don't you find it interesting that when Cooper did leave, you know, the Black Lodge through the floor. Um, the the symbolism or the visual of him actually leaving and going through the floor, like going down metaphorically or symbolically, you know, a hell. Being and sucked when, into hell. And and when Laura got sucked out, she got sucked, sucked up. You know. Yeah, I have it. By right. the by the yeah, if that could be by the giant sucked her up, and Judy sucked Coop down. There it is. is. That what you say? I just don't. I, I, that, I, I think the Black Lodge is. I'm just saying holy, but that not just any like God or Satan, if you wanted to say it like that, or the fireman or Judy can at any particular point reach in like a deus ex machina and make things happen because then it would be like, yeah, that'd be just, like a, that'd be like going to kill bin Laden, like him sneaking in there and grabbing Laura. <laughs> right. Then they wouldn't mission. do anything. Yeah. Right. I think it's, yeah. it's kind of like a, a sacred area. And I think that Laura was created by the firemen ultimately to wind up in the black lodge to be a positive influence. You don't like that one, huh? I don't know about that one. That's well. That's that's just a long game, my friend. A long game, and it just it makes Laura's life a living hell. Like, you're well, I mean, see an example. <laughs> you're gonna serve. You're gonna go through hell. You're a martyr. Maybe it's true. <laughs> oh, one thing I forgot about the uh, the end of that that script in the original series is that uh, when Bob is ultimately gonna you know kind of go after Cooper. As a dentist, by the way, Bob is dressed as a dentist. What? Oh, yeah. that would have been really good. I yeah, hate the, dentists. Ooh. It's this throne room that Wyndham Earl, and it's got this like throne. Is with, it a drill? Yeah, he's got drills and a syringe and all these like <laughs> weird evil tools. Yeah, and he's dressed. Does like he have a the dentist. mask like the Frank Booth yes. mask? Does yes. he? Yes. Yes, really? it's written like he's oh. at, and he pulls the mask down or whatever. And it's like Bob, and he's you know cackling maniacally or whatever. Oh my God. But before he's oh, going to go oh, after, oh, yeah, oh jeez. <laughs> before he goes after scary. Cooper, a hand reaches in and stops him, and it's Laura's hand. Oh. And I think it's described in the script as like these two potent energies like come together, you know, to battle briefly, and then then it ends. We don't even see Laura. I think we just see her arm or something like that. But that I think is at least maybe with, with Frost is, is going, and I think Lynch to some extent, or maybe even like in total agreement, is that Laura is somehow a deterrent to Bob and that evil. So I'm not just saying that the fireman created Laura to Was go through hell. Was an deterrent? Yes, correct, correct, yeah. Didn't work. Well, didn't I think it, it did. I think it did. He didn't, he wasn't able to possess, because if he would have been able to possess her as he intended, having the power that she has, that she didn't know she had, but that she had, that could she could have been even more powerful than uh, Bob and Coop as Mr. C, right? That's well, but what, now that you throw the whole Judy over layer on top of the Bob layer, like her victories over Bob, not allowing him to get into her soul and whatnot, that really doesn't seem as important. That's like a B, B story, it seems like now, because she's still stuck in it. We, 
Judy's running the bigger show, the bigger game, the bigger con on her. She's like fucked. Well, talk about talk Bob about, didn't kill her, but still she's fucked. Is what I'm saying. You mean Laura's still fucked? Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. It's not like I, she's living a wonderful life in Odessa. Or she got to brought back home and reunited with everybody <laughs> and had some pie, and became the you know the mayor of the town. No, well, it, it was worse. It was. It, it's almost like she's dying a million times, and it's just continuing on and on and on like this nightmare. So well, Bob seems less powerful in terms of like you know or that that impact is is not as big because she's still stuck in a larger lodge loop from hell. Well, Laura and Coop are really the only mortals that we see in the lodge. Everything, everyone else we see are either spirits or doppelgangers. Right. So they are important, as you say, chess pieces on this chessboard. But I don't think that they're the only uh, like uh, plans in place, like contingency plan. Or I think that the firemen or the other spirits have all these other contingency plans in place. But we're seeing the story of, or the stories of Cooper and Laura play out because that that's just our that's our show. That's our that's our narrative. But it, it's so much bigger than that. Um, but we're seeing that arc, that narrative play out. And we could be seeing that played out, you know, on endless uh, loops. But what I'm just trying to focus in on, like, how does the mythology of the Lodge, like the Black Lodge itself, focusing on that, how does that relate to the events of these mortals and the spirits that dwell there and juxtaposition with the rogue faction faction of Bob? Because can't you agree that, that Bob, everything that we've seen in the original series, Firewalk With Me, and in The Return, I mean, he doesn't have like a familiar other than Judy. He doesn't trust anyone. He doesn't have an ally. He's, not, he's, like, he's just on his own. He's like a rogue element. So it makes sense that if we're seeing all these spirits, Tremons, Chalfons, electricians, jumpy mans, or whatever, Bob isn't associated with them. Like he's out it seemed for like the one, or it seemed like the little man was kind of nice with him. They were kind of buddies. Well, they were. I mean, if you if you think of the man from another place as Mike, he was actually written into the Firewalk with Me script. It says Mike, so we've always speculated or, or talked about. Well, what does Mike look like? You know, the, the spirit that is inhabiting the one our man, Philip Gerard, and you know, and, and we just always associate the arm with the man from another place because he says, "I am the arm." But if he actually is Mike, if that was the spirit of Mike, then it would make sense that him and Bob would have some kind of familiarity because according to the one-armed man, they were killing together for a period of time. So and I think that's what that whole ritual was going, that, that we saw take place in Firewalk With Me is almost like, here are the rules, Bob. We know you want to go rogue, but we have contingency plans in place, but we're all out for our own garment of Zia. Just don't hoard it all. We're all going to have, it's, it's, let's share the wealth here. And then Bob and the man from another uh, place, they go on their killing spree for a while and everyone's happy. But at some point, Bob goes rogue or Mike has an epiphany, sees the face of God, the one or the, or the fireman. And cuts off his tattoos, his arm. They're tattooed. They're both tattooed. Firewalk with me, which is kind of like their totem, and that's where the split happens between the two. So everything that happens after that is seemingly because it's we're getting this through the events of like either Cooper's dreams or Cooper entering the lodge or through Laura's dreams. It's all these spirits contacting Laura and or Cooper and trying to help them in their own way to stop Bob. That's what it's about. It seems like the Lodge characters are all, like, hooked around the pain and suffering of human beings, like, here on Earth. Like, what if, like, humans, like, before humans, like, during the dinosaur, the Paleozoic era or whatever, were they, like, you know, finding depressed, like, brontosauruses and inhabiting them? 
Or was it just human? <laughs> Woolly mammoths, all the yeah. uh, great. <laughs> it's a good question. Maybe there were there was like another species before us. Yeah, yeah I guess it's just maybe, maybe we are like uniquely uh, attuned to having like great, magnificent pain and suffering that they can just really chew into. We right. taste good. Well, Our pain <laughs> tastes good. <Tom. laughs> we taste good. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's a that's a very interesting question. I don't know how to. Uh, yeah, I, I would think that if the Black Lodge that that spirit world existed. Uh, it's maybe not as old as the earth itself. At some point it came to be. And maybe the uh, creation uh, or the evolution of humans somehow brought them to like our realm at that point. Because we've been around for what, 35, 40,000 years? Is that Something right? Something like Is that. that. Right? I don't yeah. know. It, I mean, I can't imagine them going back to like the, you know, the Mesozoic era, like you said, or whatever the, you know, I don't know. Sumerian? Which, well, but Sumerian is like, that's where it's humans. That's like, just like, that's BC. Oh, yeah. That's like 3000 yeah. BC or whatever. There's, they're rocking. You don't think the lodge crawled out of the primordial ooze? No. That, that's On a, like a microscopic <laughs> level. <laughs> no, 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 all I right. don't. I don't. It's all, it's all interpretive art. We can sit here and analyze it all we want to. I think everything is the lodge. What do you mean Actually, everything is the lodge? Like the convenience store, I think all of the Cooper went through, like from three to 17 or whatever it was, like, and then at the end as well in 18, like everything is lodge. Like all the stuff Wait. that wasn't Twin Peaks and it wasn't like uh, Buckhorn and New York and Vegas like all except well, I guess part of Vegas was but uh, yeah I think the lodge is still I mean it's just like this uh, amorphous thing that's going to continue to evolve if there were to be more Twin Peaks but like it's a mystery and that trying to solve it is, is a fool's game it'll, it'll just change once you think you know what it is it'll change shape no I agree with you with a, a lot of that I, I don't think that I think there's a, a, a shift in part 17 after the events of the uh uh, at the sheriff station, because I think that is when Cooper realizes that okay, oh whoa, uh, this wasn't really happening. That because what I what I think of is that one of the interesting things is that if if he never really left the lodge and we're seeing like all these different scenes, you know, uh, but he, he they appear real. To Didn't like we Cooper. pinpoint it down to one? There wasn't just like one moment that he was actually there. We said like that's the only scene he's actually there <laughs> with the good and the evil together. <laughs> It lasts like one minute, right? No, Which, it was, wasn't it? it right? It's in the sheriff's station, it? right? No, I don't think it was that. Wasn't it like when he, came out of, when he came <laughs> when he came out of uh, Glastonbury no, Grove? No, but no, but, yeah, Mr. Oh, that's it. When he came out of Glastonbury Grove, that's right. An episode was it eighteen when he goes yeah. like he sees her. He goes like, "Are you okay?" Like, "Yeah, I'm here." That's the only time that he's really him in the entire eighteen. Well, no, hours. he was driving for like ninety <laughs> seconds before they crossed. Yeah, the, they drive for ninety seconds. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's literally it. the only time the real Cooper is there. It's like literally four minutes and, and eight hours or eighteen right. hours. Right. That's great. And I think what's happening in part 18 is, is I think we're seeing like three uh, different, I wouldn't say dimensions, but they're different kind of realities is that it's that reality is that Cooper actually does realize in part 17 that it was all kind of a dream. Um, but it was, Mr. C was vanquished, even though he didn't do it. All he did was put the ring on, but that facilitated him returning to the lodge and allowed Cooper ultimately to uh, meet up with his shadow self and become whole again and leave just like you said. And that's the only time you really kind of see Cooper, but he's doing the past dictates the future. What I think he's trying to do now is change events, not only to kind of like find Laura to save her, but also to save himself and all the events that we and just kill saw. Judy? Well, yeah, two birds with one stone. Exactly. Maybe three birds with one stone. I don't know. But I think that's what he's doing is it's more than Laura. It's also for him because if he finds Laura, saves her, she doesn't die, he doesn't come to town and go through all those events that lead him to the lodge and the creation of Mr. C and all the mayhem 
that that followed and affected so many people that we saw in season three. It would happen on one timeline, but there would be another timeline where it didn't happen. And I think that's what his motivation is. That's why he's so determined with Diane in that car. And she's like, hey, Coop, you know, you don't really have to go through this. I mean, he's only been out for like 90 seconds. He didn't even stop for like a coffee or a donut or anything. And he just wanted to go right back in. A shower. Sleep. Um, Sleep. I guess he wouldn't want to go sleep for a while. No. Be wary of that. No, no. But what he does is I think he crosses over. When they cross over, that is that is crossing over into obviously a reality tied to the fireman because he gave him clues with that. And I think that reality facilitated through that sex scene. And I still really can't figure that out, even though I think it is Judy related somehow. And I still think Yeah, they're conjuring Judy just at the devil. They want to conjure Zool. That's what they're doing. They're bringing her act. Conjuring well, no. Judy. Well, the I, sex act. The ritualistic there, Parsonian sex act. <laughs> There's something with that, but what I what I think is since Diane slash Linda leaves. Yeah, she what, checks out before it even happens. She's yeah. like, I'm gonna be outside. Well she yeah, she <laughs> going out for herself. without me. <laughs> but uh Coop the is, part what, of the story I think about other things. What Coop is doing is that allows him to puncture into the construct the dream world whatever you want to call it of Laura Palmer that she's living as Carrie Page just like Cooper was doing in the Dougie Jones world so what the whole thing was Cooper in parts 3 through 17 when he was being visited by Philip Gerard the one-armed man Cooper's playing that role now with Laura Palmer Carrie Page that was the whole thing of seeing the one-armed man in part 17 the whole poem not in reverse the magician longs to see and going to see Philip Jeffries. I think what was happening is is that Cooper was getting his you know time jumping slash magician stripes at that point to go in and find Laura Carey, and he couldn't just puncture it normally because he's not a spirit. He's uh, he's immortal. He had to do that whole sex scene. And like I said, I, I understand what you're saying, and but I'm not really to kind of commit that it was all related to Judy and to summoning her. I think it was to get in directly to Laura Palmer, Carrie Page. Now that could be something that's being influenced by like Judy. I, I agree with, with that to some extent, but that's what Cooper was doing. But it's still kind of confusing what that end game was of like taking her home um, to Sarah. Like what, what's the point? What, what's going to, what's going to change with that? Eh, just yeah, it know. seems like a bad idea. Yeah, at least for Laura's sake. And also, like, (laughs) the theory is, like, you know, he's puncturing through this reality there. He's going through on this journey. Is the reality uh, Laura, he finds Laura, and is that created by Judy or is it created by the fireman? Because it looks sure as hell to me that it's created by Judy. It does not look like a fireman type for a a nice place, unless he's a real asshole. I would think that uh, normally, yes, but I'm starting to kind of sway towards the the other side now. Wait, which side is that? Does that mean I can't figure what you... You can't infer from what I said. No, no, it's not. It's not like a Judy Pocket universe. I think it's not a Judy Pocket. It's a. It's a fireman. I think Judy is a presence there, but I don't think this was this kind of Judy construct to put Laura Palmer there as Carrie Page and to just harvest all this like Carmen Bazia for this one person. I think what she's living in that world was uh, uh, like what Cooper was doing as Dougie Jones, but I think that maybe either the Lodge spirits, the One Arm Man, the evolution of the arm the Tremons and or the firemen have something to do with it as well because and I, I know what you're going to say here and I agree with you to some extent you think Alice Tremont is like pure evil and that's like Judyville that's yeah. like evil right you, you think oh, yeah. that but what I'm thinking now is is that the Tremonts even though they are like evil to some extent I mean they're you know we saw they're you know they, they were 
kind of, I wouldn't say complicit, but I think that they somehow were uh, uh, involved with Teresa Banks's murder, obviously with Laura giving her the painting. So we don't know, and, and they've been in- Were they the involved in Lenny Von Dolan's death? <laughs> yes. Why don't you tell everyone who Lenny Von Dolan is, because they may not know who the- I forget the is. character, uh, Harold Smith, right? <laughs> Lenny Von Dolan is a way more memorable yeah. name than Harold Smith, yeah. But, and he uh, was in a movie called They Electric were next door to his house as well. Yeah. When they died. Yeah, that's right. But they live, people die. I think that the Tremonts are less evil than Bob and Judy. And there was a reason well, yeah. why. Because if, if you think about what I was talking about, like Chris earlier, Isaac also disappeared into their, into their trailer. Yeah, but it's because he touched the ring. Well. Did, she put, did they put the ring there? Did she put the ring? No, they're just minions of Judy and Bob, <laughs> I guess. They're Bob's children. Judy's but, children. okay, if Her Judy. Aunt, yeah, the aunts and uncles and nephews. If Judy is related to Sarah, either by the the bug that's in her or something else, if we just want to say that Sarah is Judy, and then that would be the extreme negative force. That would be like a one on the evil scale, right? Mm-hmm. And then the the Tremons wouldn't be as evil unless they're somehow like affiliated with Judy. But w- what kind of indication do we have? that the Tremons or any other spirits in the Black Lodge are associated with Judy other than Bob. We don't have any of that information. We don't know any of that because Frost is the only one putting all this together here at the end. So we're only, we only heard of Judy in episode 16 of The Return. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, of course it hasn't been dropped, name-dropped or there's not a connection at all. That's why it's so baffling. Well, what I'm trying to do is kind of go from the very beginning, right? Even though I don't think that it's impossible. Lynch and Frost didn't have this mapped out from the very beginning. Of course, they, they never did. But starting with like Firewalk With Me, with the end of the original series, but mostly even Firewalk With Me through what we have now, all the iterations, the show and the books and everything like that, is I think that the mythology was slowly coming together and unfolding. And, and I just think that, like you said, Judy, it was part 15, I think, was the first mention that we had in this new series that that there is nothing that we can kind of tie together with any of these other spirits you're saying is what you're saying is exactly true but what we're here to do along with all these other fans is to kind of just read into these things and kind of like build because they're not just they're not just creating like Lynch isn't creating like Dada and putting these people in the room and just giving them arbitrary lines he's got okay, he's, he's way too smart with that I think but uh, so that's what I'm trying to do and it seems like what we have here, like I said, is that we kind of have like these war of not just the good and evil, the firemen versus like Bob and Judy, but like the firemen and the spirits of the Black Lodge versus Bob and Judy. And it makes sense that Bob and Judy are the extreme negative forces, are the rogue elements, and nobody wants any dealings with them. They want them gone somehow. So maybe they're working in tandem. And I think there are like little crumbs, little clues along the way that we can kind of put together to kind of like build this up into something that we can discuss because you know, we're going to wind up, you know, not having anything discussed eventually, you would think. So this is just creating something new, some fodder, my friend. Yeah, well, all I know is if I was Laura and the giant was the one that saved me from death, allowed me to be stuck in Odessa and that was my new world, he's like like in the uh, witness relocation program or whatever, I would be really upset. I want to renegotiate the contract. <laughs> I would not think he's a nice guy. I'd go to Judy and go, okay, Judy, what's behind door number two? Let's see what else there is because this is not... It's not good. Let me ask you a question. The whole playing card, right? Mr. C, this is what I want. You know, the playing card. Do you think that is A, just Mr. C, B, just Bob, or C, both of them in tandem? Uh, Both of them in tandem. I think that it's, um, they both have separate ones. I think that Bob wants... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, what's the other card, right? Maybe Mr. C's is uh, uh, the Queen of Diamonds, Audrey Horn. Just a but, pie. He's pie. Right. <laughs> but I think that Bob wants what's on that playing card. I think that's a Bob moment. I think what Mr. C wants are the coordinates. Because I don't think that what's on that playing card, Judy, is related to those coordinates. I think what Bob, with, uh, what uh, Mr. C wants, which is basically the doppelganger of Cooper, wants like power, right? Wants like, you know, just the extreme power to maybe meet his maker or something like that. And that could very well be the coordinates which leads to the fireman, the White Lodge. But Bob wants to be reunited with the extreme negative force and Judy because Mr. C said to Jeffries, who is Judy? What the hell did Judy? He didn't have any you know, intel on Judy. So it doesn't make sense that if we think that what is on that playing card is Judy, and we know that Bob was still in Mr. C during part 15. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Why? So I'm trying, I think that there, we can really go into this as well. I mean, we won't do it right now, but there's a difference. There's a power struggle or a uh, kind of a conflict within Mr. C. Uh, with the Cooper side and the Bob side. I think they're up to two. Di- and I think that's why he's maybe so vulnerable. And he gets shot all the time. <laughs> maybe because there's like some major conflict shot all the time. Who has been shot? Who has been shot? He was shot by fucking Lucy. He was shot by uh, Ray. And okay. uh, is that that's it? Twice. That's that was it. Yeah. Well, you're right. The, it seems like the Bob, if he was inhabiting uh, Mr. C, eventually he would like say, hey, you know. Let me tell you about this person named Judy. <laughs> right, right. They have plenty of time. They're in jail at least. They get to talk to the mirror to each other in episode five or six or whatever and figured it out. He's like, the whole time? You didn't tell me? Yeah, 25 years. I agree. Yeah, I especially, agree. Especially, see, that doesn't make sense, especially that uh, since uh, Coop knows all about Judy now, apparently the retcon is that he knew all about Judy from the original series. And so that you would think that Mr. C would in turn know about G- all about Judy because he has the, the sense memory of Coop. On that level. Yeah, I agree. But I think that the only answer to that is like a different timeline. Like that is something that's, well, come on, what else could there be? Well, there's like the unofficial and the the official version, right? And if Cooper was not the Cooper that we knew in Firewalk With Me before the events of Twin Peaks, Laura Palmer being dead, that's like impossible. So the only thing it could be is another timeline, right? Just like we say that there could be one timeline where Leland was host of Bob and another timeline where, you know, Bob uh, or, you know, obviously the the bug that came from Judy inhabited Sarah. Like it didn't work with Bob to possess Laura. So let's like do a little time jumping ourselves and start from scratch and find Sarah when she's like 12 years old and get inside of her. And maybe this this one will work. Because that's what I'm thinking here is that we're seeing like multiple timelines and different like time tracks. And uh, yeah, I think on any timeline that Mr. C would still know if Judy was like one of the two birds in one stone thing, but that's neither here nor there. There's got to be something to that. I think that, like I said, that conflict, I think it, uh, I think it exists within, I think it exists within Mr. C. Oh, one thing I want to say, this will be my final thought. Um, Related to Cooper, his journey through the Black Lodge and to the Rancho Rosa and to Vegas. And we're positing that this is still part of the Black Lodge. So why does it seem very real? Why do we have, you know, this community and people speaking, you know, 119 and these cops and everything like that? Well, I think because the Dougie Jones, like Tulpa, that was created by Mr. C is still the DNA of Agent Cooper. So um, even though uh, Cooper and Dougie Jones, the actual Dougie Jones have never like met 
and I don't think they share the same memories or whatever, they're still tied together because of that DNA strain. So it would make sense that everything that Cooper is seeing and experiencing in, in a whole new world that he has never been to is still something that he is able to manufacture yeah, because from memory from his psyche or whatever it came out exactly of from 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 the Douglas his Jones dream. yeah, yeah his exactly I, I totally yeah. agree with that yeah. well, that's good well it's been a good conversation even though I feel like we do like it's like we're walking through the the waiting room the lodge doors I feel like we've gone on the giant circle and now we're back in the same room but <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so apropos isn't it so it that's is yeah right it's it so I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this one until next time Christian now.
Sigamore Dream 